the world's favorite tax collector who became a follower of Jesus. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through 28 days of Matthew. Um, today we're going to start into Matthew 13. And Matthew 13 is the chapter in Matthew where Jesus basically just has a bunch of parables. Uh, there are a lot of parables in each of the Gospels. And when you add them all together, there's like 37 or 39 parables. And um, not all of them are contained in Matthew. And Matthew actually has some unique parables that are only contained in Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John each have parables. And a lot of them overlap. Some of them are, you know, some of the parables are in every single gospel. But some of them aren't. And uh, some of them even in this section of Matthew aren't in all the different gospels. But the parables... Uh, are, I love parables because not only are they extremely effective ways for Jesus to communicate a truth, uh, but there's so many different truths in a parable. So uh, even in today's day and age, a parable might speak differently to us than they did somebody say 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago when people were dealing with different things. So parables are really kind of timeless stories that bring lessons to life. Um, the lessons of the parables are always about the kingdom. Uh, in Matthew, uh, he'll write, and Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'll give a parable. And so all of the parables, and there's, um, there's quite a number of them here in Matthew chapter 13, but each of these parables are referring back to what the kingdom of heaven is like. So if you are in the kingdom of heaven, which, which if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are now in the kingdom, and you'll be in the kingdom for the rest of eternity, certainly for the rest of your life and then rest of eternity. So the joy of the kingdom and the joy of eternity with Jesus starts now. Um, but this was new for the people of Jesus' time. And so he had to basically tell them what the parable was like. And so he told what the kingdom of heaven was like. And so he told a parable. Uh, and so, um, and the other thing is it's very un fair for me to try to deal with all these parables in depth. I could do a sermon series on a par I mean, I could do a sermon series on each parable, let alone, uh, you know, trying to get five, six, seven of them done in one setting. So uh, it's highly unfair for me to do that to you, and I'm sorry, but I want to try to get through Matthew to the end. And then uh, if we're still on lockdown, uh, I have gotten a few comments from people that said, you know, we should do another book. Uh, so we might do very well another book after Matthew. But let's get through Matthew first. And in order to get through Matthew, because it's, it's hard, you know, if a chapter a day is just a really nice pace. It gives you the overall picture. You can kind of go through the whole gospel in you know, one month, which is awesome. Um, but uh, if, we were, if we were to slow down to a slower pace, it would take us a year to get through Matthew because every single word that Matthew writes is just so wonderful. Uh, so uh, this, is the, this is what we're doing, and uh, I'm sorry if it's too fast, but that is what it is. So in order to get through this in a decent amount of time this morning, because there's a lot here, uh, I'm going to just read the first parable, beginning in Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. 
As he was scattering the seeds, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but not perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they, have their, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what will be sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke, choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So uh, this is the first parable of Jesus in Matthew 13, and he gives the parable of the sower. We've probably heard this before, but a sower goes out to sow, and he sows on all kinds of soil. He sows on uh, the path, which is a very hard soil. He sows outside of the path, which is a rocky soil. Uh, he, sows, he sows on good soil. And Jesus even gives the reason why he tells this parable. So he tells the story first to kind of see yeah, I understand that. I've seen that before where a farmer will soil and will sow seeds. And if it goes on a good soil, it'll sprout. But if it goes on a bad soil, it won't. You know, the birds will come and grab it. So it's a complete visual picture that these people have. And it's a great thing for Jesus to say, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then Jesus turns around and talks about what the parable means. And it's very understandable parable, right? We, as followers of Jesus, as people in the kingdom, sow our seed. We sow the seed wherever we are, and some of it falls on good soil, some of it falls on bad soil. The stuff that falls on good soil, man, it's amazing how sometimes it takes hold and it grows. The stuff that falls on bad soil doesn't necessarily take hold. Um, one of the ways that you can look at a parable uh, is to understand, since about the kingdom, 
is, is to say, what is so unusual about the kingdom that Jesus had to go to a parable to, understand, you know, to teach this kingdom lesson? And uh, like, what's so radical about the kingdom? And what's radical about Jesus is that he tells all of us to sow, that we're all in, encouraged to sow the seed and we aren't really supposed to even take a look at whether or not it's soiled and sown on good soil or bad soil or rocky soil because um, it's not our job to grow the seed. It's not our job to sprout the seed or water the seed. It's our job basically just to sow the seed. And so one of the lessons of the kingdom is sow the seed. Don't worry so much about where the seed is being planted because you don't really know if it's good soil or if it's bad soil, if it's rocky soil, you never know the seeds that you plant, how they're going to be taken up and when they're going to be taken up and when they're going to be watered. Uh, you never know when a person might be ready to hear um, the word of God. Um, there are uh, times in your life when you know a person is completely, uh, their soil is not fertile enough to hear the word of God and you sow and you sow, but then some major life disruption happens in their life. And the soil, the hard soil that has been so broken for so many years, all of a sudden crumbles. And all of a sudden, the, the, the soil underneath the hard soil shows. And, and if there's a seed there ready to be planted, then the seed can be planted. And we never know when those disruptions and how this all works and the miracles of God and those sort of things. So the lesson for this, for the kingdom of heaven people is... Don't stop sowing seed. When you sow seed, that's all Jesus requires of you, right? Always be prepared to give an account for the hope that is within you, right? First Peter. Uh, it's, it's not your job necessarily to grow the seed. It is your job to plant the seed, to, to sow the seed, to throw it out there. And it's God's job to take that seed and grow it. So... Um, don't be tempted to think that you're not supposed to spread the seed of the gospel. Yes, you are at all times. Your whole entire life is, is sowing seeds. And you never know when your life might be taking root in somebody else's life. All right. So uh, that's a big overview of that first one. Uh, we'll go into the next parable, which starts at verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven... Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And the owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? And the owner said, An enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and to pull up the weeds? And he said, no, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you might uproot the weeds, the wheat with the weeds. So let them both grow together until harvest. And then at that time, I will tell the harvester, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So again, this is another, it follows along really nicely with the parable of sowing the seed on good soil and rocky soil. This is a different parable, which is basically some weeds, some, some wheat is sown, but then the enemy comes in and he sows weeds in with the wheat. And this parable speaks to me because uh, so many times we want to pull out the weeds, right? We want to say, that's a weed. I want to pull it out. We want to expunge from our presence anything that's a weed. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, let go ahead and let the weeds grow with the wheat. 
uh, and then at the time of harvest, then we'll separate it, right? And Jesus has other parables. He has the sheep and the goat. I mean, there's other parables that are like this, that there's going to be a harvest at the end of time, and that's when he's going to separate uh, the good from the bad, right? It doesn't have to happen in this life, is guess, you know, is the point of Jesus, right? Because we so much want to judge people now. We want to pull out those weeds now. We want to do the harvest now. Uh, but people have their whole life in front of them. The harvest is a long time. Uh, and there's a plenty of time for both the weeds and the wheat to grow. And let God separate the weeds from the wheat at the end of time. This is all about Judgment Day, right? We so much want to, as a people of God, we want to do the judgment now, right? We want to pull out the weeds because those weeds are going to prevent us from growing into healthy wheat. And there may be some truth to that. But for whatever reason, God wants us to let the weeds grow with us until harvest time. And then he's going to be the one that judges at the end of time. I've always wondered if... uh, you know, as a plant is growing, do you really know if it's a weed or a wheat, right? Sometimes something comes out of the soil and you look at it. Now, I'm sure if you are incredibly wonderful, right, you can tell the difference between a weed and a wheat all right away. But but perhaps we can't. Maybe we need that stock to grow a little bit bigger, to start bearing its own fruit to see what it is before we can understand what the weed and the wheat is. Uh, Jesus always wants us to live in this world Um, to follow him, to be the person that he's called us to be, to be the kingdom worker that he's called us to be, and to live aside the weeds of the world. That's just what he's called us to do. It's not our job to prune the weeds. So that's uh, that's my lesson from the parable of the weeds. Uh, And then Jesus goes on. This is verse 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds may come and perch in its branches. So this is also, I think, talking about uh, spreading the gospel and and what it's going to be like at the end of time. So we spread our seeds of gospel, and sometimes it's on good soil, sometimes it's on rocky soil, sometimes it's on very, very hard soil. And the other thing about the seeds that we sow is that sometimes we have no idea what the seeds that we sow, what they're gonna do. How many times have you seen this in your life, right? Where the most insecure, insignificant little thing that you did, you find out later that someone came up to you and said, when you did this one act of kindness, or when you did this thing in my life, or when you said this word to me, it really radically transformed uh, my life. And you may not even have never known that it transformed this life. And, I, and I, I just love this picture of heaven, that when we get into heaven and we start talking to all the people that lived on this earth, we find out how sometimes God used the littlest thing that we did to make an amazing change for the kingdom. And you, as you sow seed, have no idea the things that you're doing, how they are transformed and used by God. The littlest thing that God, uh, that you did in your life and you think, man, that was so insignificant. That couldn't possibly have done anything. And yet God was able to take that small, insignificant mustard seed and turn it into a tree. So don't ever, ever, ever think that the things that you do in this life, that the, the acts of kindness that you do, the words of encouragement that you spread, the, the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of your life, love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of those things. Never, ever, ever second guess how God can use those things in the world because he can. Sometimes the most insignificant, tiny little thing that you did can be an amazing thing for the kingdom of God. Can be an amazing thing for the kingdom of God. Um, that's the parable of the mustard seed. All right. Then we're going to go on. The parable of the yeast. Then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus again tells another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it was worked through and through. So the kingdom of heaven, again, these are all kingdom of heaven parables. Uh, so we've talked about how sometimes a seed is on good soil, sometimes it's on bad soil. Sometimes, uh, you know, you sow and you think it's insignificant and it's not. The, the third thing about the kingdom is that it, it's like a leavening agent, right? When you share the word or the gospel or kindness in other people, it, it works slowly, right? It doesn't work right away. It kind of gets into the dough and it works through the dough and it changes the dough. Uh, and it's something that the yeast does, right? It's not necessarily something that we do. It's something that the fruit that we have uh, enters and permeates a situation. And sometimes it just sits there. Sometimes it takes a while. But the word of God never comes back void. It never comes back without doing great things, okay? So don't ever stop speaking the words and the truths of God. Because sometimes as we did with this, with a little tiny mustard seed and it goes, you know, and does its thing in the same way, sometimes it just goes into a person's life and it sits there and it ferments for a while. Sometimes it just sits there and takes some time for it to work its way into the yeast and into the dough. I mean, I'm sure all of you have heard stories about people uh, who you thought, man, this person, uh, their heart is too hardened. The soil is too bad. Nothing's ever going to happen. But the seeds are still primed and the yeast is still inserted into the dough. And it just starts a little bit and it starts fermenting and going into the dough. Um, and pretty soon it has changed and transformed. Um, you know, as, a, as, a, as an aside, uh, people, you know, always are wondering, this is the big question, right? When the United States was founded, most of the people who came over, almost all the people who came over the United States, came over here because of religious persecution, right? They wanted to be able to practice the form of Christianity that they believed that God was calling them to. And so you had all these different little communities that came over in the 1600s. Um, and they started these communities and they, they created communities based upon Christian principles. And now we look at our world and we say, you know, we look at the United States and we say, well, the United States isn't a Christian nation anymore, right? Um, and the, it is true that there are a lot of elements in the United States that are not, by our minds and the way that we read scriptures, say not very Christian. But I want to point out something to you. I want you to compare the United States and the amount of grace and love and giving 
uh, and the way that our, our society works together. I mean, I know right now the society is not necessarily working very well together. But if you look at other societies throughout the world and other societies throughout time, you will find that a society that is completely devoid of the Christian teachings, the teachings of Jesus, are hard, cold, cruel, meaningless, purposeless, uh, man's inhumanity to man. I mean, the teachings of Jesus have permeated our society to the point where we do things as a society, even outside of the church, right? Um, you look at what's going on in our nation now with this coronavirus and how people are helping out other people. Yeah, there's some bad eggs out there. Yeah, there's some bad people that are hoarding and all, all these sort of things. But I think if you look at our nation as a whole, uh, even though we don't necessarily say outwardly that we are a Christian nation, but the principles of Jesus that were at the foundation of the nation a lot of those principles, love, joy, peace, giving, service, kindness, all of those things are still very deeply seeped into our society. There were a yeast that was worked into the dough. And so we, ha we have the benefits today, 2020, of some of the, the seeds and the yeast that was injected into the dough many, 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 many years ago. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. I think that, uh, that the fact that our whole jurisprudence system, uh, the fact that we were based on, uh, on Christian values, all of that has a lasting impact to who we are as a nation. And yeah, we fight and we bicker and we, you know, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, you know, they, they get very, very upset with them, each other. And sometimes it seems like Washington can't work at all and state governments have problems, but... Um, the fact is, is that we still are a nation that way back at our founding, yeast was planted that still has fruit today, all right? Um, it's pretty amazing. All right, so now we're going to, we talked about the parable of the weeds. Jesus actually gives his interpretation of the parable of the weeds. This is verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field, right? So you have the weeds in the wheat growing up together. Jesus answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. So you are the good wheat, right? And the weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. So it really has two sides here, right? Jesus and the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So this really is talking about the end of time, right? Uh, the sheep and the goats, the separation of the wheat and the weeds. And what Jesus says, according to this, and of the sheep and the goats, right? I mean, it's at the end of time, there is a judgment day. And Jesus is going to separate the weeds from the wheat. And he's going to take the weeds and he's going to bundle them up. He's going to throw them into the fire. And he will do that purging. And then the kingdom of heaven will have in it people who are followers of Jesus. They're the, the people, you and me, now in the kingdom um, that will live 
with the king for eternity. That's a hard lesson. I think that's why Jesus spoke a lot in parables too, because some of these lessons are very, very difficult and harsh. And yet a story helps get into our brain a little bit better and it kind of brain a little bit better and it reduces the harshness of the story because it makes sense. It makes sense that there's weeds and wheat. It makes sense that we're gonna let them grow together. It makes sense that at the harvest time, you only want the wheat uh, and you don't want necessarily want the weeds. So I mean, these are eternal truths that Jesus is talking about. And he uses stories to kind of help us see those eternal truths about the kingdom of heaven, about which you and I are in today. And we are in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus rose on Easter Sunday. And it's not anything that we did, but it's something that he did for us. End of story. Except it's not the end of the story. All right, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went out and sold all that he had to buy the field. Uh, and then we'll just go on to the next one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found the one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. So again, this is kingdom of heaven stuff. It's stuff that you and I are in, and basically what Jesus is saying is the kingdom is so valuable that a person would sell all the gold, all the silver, everything they had just to be in the kingdom. Now, that is, there's an eternal truth there. And the eternal truth is basically this. We think that the things that are going to bring us joy in this life, the things of the world, power, fame, riches, um, what are the things that people, you know, uh, lots of uh, followers on your Instagram account, you know, lots of likes on your Facebook page, you know, the things that we think in this world are going to make us happy. And a lot of these things can make us happy. There's no question about it. But at its root, the kingdom brings so much joy that if you knew the value of the kingdom, you would sell everything in this world to have the kingdom. That that's how valuable the kingdom is. And so think about it. You don't even have to have anything to enter into the kingdom because you just sold everything, right? You've sold all your riches, the gold, the silver, the pearls, everything you've sold. You come into the kingdom without anything, and now you have everything. That's how valuable the kingdom is. It is of such value that you would be willing to give up everything to be in the kingdom. And this ties to the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, right? Had, he's like, I follow, you know, I follow the law and the prophets. I love my neighbor as myself. What must I do to get into the kingdom? And Jesus basically says, yeah, sell everything and come follow me. And then you'll understand what the kingdom is about. And he couldn't do it. Now, Jesus doesn't require us to sell everything. He doesn't require us to give up everything of the world to follow him. But he does tell us that the kingdom is more valuable than everything else, right? Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added unto you. If the kingdom is first in your life, if you understand the value of the kingdom, then everything else in life is added unto you, but the kingdom has to be first. And the kingdom is more valuable than anything you could possibly imagine. And that is really the purpose of the kingdom parables, right? The kingdom is the highest, highest thing you could ever want in this life. Every, the highest thing you could ever want in this life. Because think about it. Who wants to live as a slave in the lower level of the castle, right? You want to be 
a child of the king living in the castle as a child of the king with all the rights and the privileges and everything, you know, the, the prestige, the honor, everything like that showered upon you because you are a child of the king. And it's more valuable than anything else. All right, we're going to go on. Verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in a basket, but threw the bad fish away. And this is how it will be again at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So basically, as we see, um, or have you understood these things, Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of the storeroom new treasures as well as old. So basically, this is the same thing as, as the wheat and the, and the weeds. Basically, there is a judgment at the end of, the, at the end of this life. And Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the weeds. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate the good fish from the bad fish. There is a judgment. And we don't have to fear the judgment because of Jesus. We are in the kingdom. We are good fish. We are wheat. We are the sheep. All of these things we are because of the work of Jesus. All right, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. And coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so Jesus, we find out, goes back to his hometown and coming into his hometown, he starts teaching and they're like, wait a minute, what are you teaching? You know, this is this little snot nosed little kid. We remember him out playing with our kids and stuff like this. This isn't the savior of the world. Um, you know, we, he has no authority here. We're not gonna listen to him. And yet Jesus says, um, uh, I am. I am who I say I am. But they won't listen to him, and so he kind of doesn't teach very often there. We do find out in this parable, or in this, not parable, but we find out in this little section, that he had brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and he had sisters. So it appears from here that Jesus had brothers and sisters. We talked yesterday about the difference between is Jesus a monogamous, the one and only begotten child, or is he a prototecticus, which is basically the, the prototype and there are all others that came along. And, um, and the scripture calls Jesus a prototecticus. Um, he's the first with others to come. Um, I believe that he had brothers and sisters. Uh, there are those people who believe that Jesus did not have any brothers and sisters, the only one, and that these, these places in scripture where they talk about brothers and sisters are basically cousins, you know, very, very close cousins in a hometown. You know, if you have... Uh, sisters that grew up together, brothers that grew up together, and they have kids, then you have all these cousins sitting around, and they are like family, right? They're like brothers and sisters. And so it could be either way. I don't know if it's important. The important thing is, is that Jesus, either way, um, said that we can be his brother and sister because 
Uh, he did not elevate his brothers and sisters into a special position of authority in his kingdom. He basically said, you, meaning you and me, you're my brothers and you're my sisters and you're my, part of my kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven uh, is not exclusive to the progeny or the, the siblings of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is open to all of us and all of us are part of the kingdom. And all of us should sow seeds and we should sow it on good soil and we should sow it on bad soil. And if some weeds grow up in our life, it's okay. Because at some point, Jesus will do the harvest at the end of time. He will do the separation of the sheep and the goats. We know that we are in the pen. We are the sheep, that he loves us because of what he's done for us. And we'll let the judgment happen at the end of time. That's where it should happen. It's not shouldn't happen with us. All right, so... That basically takes us to the end of Matthew 13. I wasn't sure I was going to get through all of these parables. There's lots of parables. Uh, you know, there's lots of different interpretations of what these parables are. Um, Jesus interprets some of them, but others he leaves out there a little bit. Uh, and you can uh, take these parables and speak differently to them in different people's situations, which is a wonderful thing, which is also a great thing about a story. Stories, you know, in the age of the coronavirus, stories have different meaning and have different understanding wisdom than uh, necessarily 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. That's why these stories are so timeless. And they are, that's why Jesus taught in stories. They're just so accessible. All right, so we are going to close uh, with a prayer. Uh, we are not going to meet tomorrow, but we will meet again on Monday at 8 o'clock, and we will go to Matthew 14. So will you join me in prayer? Dear Jesus, thanks for these great stories. Thank you for the lessons behind them. But most of all, Lord, we thank you that you came and bought and purchased us and made us a member of your kingdom, uh, a kingdom that has no end, a kingdom that we are to share with the world around us, a kingdom where we're supposed to plant seed, uh, a kingdom that you will harvest at the end of time, a kingdom that because of your grace and your mercy, uh, we get the benefit of. So be with everybody in our world as they struggle with this uh, virus. Be with governments as they figure out how to open. Uh, be with people who are fearful. Uh, fill us with the, wan, uh, with the awe and wonder of your love and grace at this time. And until we meet again on Monday at 8 o'clock, uh, keep us in your grace. We pray this in your name.